For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Zachary. joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, we finally get to discuss a Raiders win, and what a win it was. A thrilling three-point overtime victory over the Dallas Cowboys. And Stan, I thought a lot of guys stepped up for the silver and black. I mean, Hunter Renfro had a career-high eight receptions. Daniel Carlson kicked five field goals, including the game winner. But to me, once again, it came down to the play of quarterback Derek Carr. He completed 24 of 39 for nearly 400 passing yards, a touchdown. He didn't turn it over. Stan, the Raiders now 6-0 and when he throws for more than 300 yards. Yeah. 0-5 when he does it. So I think it's safe to say, look, as Derek goes, the Raiders go. We've been aggressive all year. Um, you know, we, I think, from an explosive standpoint, even in our losing streak that we were on, you know, we still had a lot of explosive plays. You know, and, um, you know, again, I told you all year I've been, I've been, you know, upward tilt, you know, uh, as Gruden would tell me, upward tilt, I want to see the car at an angle, you know. And uh, I, I've tried to do that, you know, and when it's there, I've, Tried to let them launch, you know, and uh, probably more times than I probably should have a couple times. Um, but um, when you when you connect on one, it just gives confidence to the whole team that, okay, here we go. You know, we're executing again. It's not like we're back on track. We, we, we got – it's like, no, no, that's, that's what we talk I, – I talked to Deshaun every time – we ran that play three times, I think, and walked through, you know, leading up to that game. And I said, hey, if we get that look, we got – I said, I want you to run right here break across the field, I'm going to throw it to you right there. And when it came, you saw me. I stepped up, and everyone's like, he was throwing this to him all the way. I was like, yeah, because we got the look, and it's exactly what I wanted. I knew he was going to do exactly what I asked, you know. And uh, and when you do something like that, it does something for everybody. Like I think I talked about where the other guys hear that conversation, it works, we score. They're like, oh, man, I need to have that conversation with Derek. You know, I need, you know, and it just makes everybody better. So um, I don't think it was just that, mo- honestly, that moment because – we have, I mean, I've been trying to throw them deep all year, you know, and let and just push people vertical to help the run game, to help the underneath stuff and all that. But um, when you execute it, just it obviously just feels better. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, this team is built on the pass, even though they got great running back in Josh Jacobs. So you hit it right on the head. Whenever he throws for 300 plus, that's when they're undefeated. Whenever he doesn't throw for 300 plus, that's when it seems like they can't even win a game. But I got to go ahead and give some kudos to that Raiders defense. They found a way to go ahead and come up and make stops when they needed to, or only surrender a field goal when they needed to. Uh, being able to go ahead and put pressure on Dak Prescott, being able to force some holding calls, some sort of offensive penalties by the Dallas Cowboys and keeping them off balance for much of the day. And then you saw how, you know, they did a good job of stopping the run, not giving up big plays right there. So even though, like I said, Derek Carr, you got to give kudos and so much respect to him. I just want to go ahead and also give the defense a shout out as well. Well, Derek now leads the NFL in passing yards, Stan. And the Raiders offense hit several big plays 
Something that had been missing in the previous three games. I mean, Stan, he completed passes of 56, 55, 35, 31, and 30 yards on the Cowboys. And Deshaun Jackson, had 56 yard touchdown reception on the opening Starting drive. Off the I mean, game, yeah. This has got to be the blueprint for the final six games for this offense. And yeah, this I mean, yeah, and that's exactly why they went ahead and signed him after the departure of Henry Ruggs because he provides that big play element that can go ahead and take the top off the defense. And you saw how a couple of times, I believe it was twice that I believe uh, he forced a pass interference on yes. Anthony Brown. So that's another first down as well. Obviously, it's not a catch on his part, but that's still moving the chain. So I think that right there, that was such a big acquisition to go ahead and sign him just because that gives Derek Carr that big play threat that he was missing for that you know, brief period of time uh, after uh, the Ruggs departure. Stan, Anthony Brown, the Cowboys cornerback, he committed four pass interference penalties. I mean, that, that thing was a, you know, even though the game was indoors, it was raining, you know, yellow flags. Yeah, it really was. I mean, what's the most pass interference penalties you committed in a game that you can recall? Uh, off the top of my head, I want to say there was a game that I probably had maybe three that I can think of. But uh, like I said, you know, sometimes uh, memory kind of gets sure. away from me. But I know that there's at least been a game where I've had three. I can, I can definitely tell you that. I mean, but Stan, you've committed three penalties. How difficult is it to block those out and move forward, keep playing? I mean, what are your teammates telling you at that point? Take me it's, through that whole process. It's, it's definitely not easy. It's something that uh, obviously you got to get through. But because we played so much man coverage, I can tell you, you know, Willie Brown, he was our DB coach. God right. rest his soul. Love him to death. He was like a father figure to me. And even with Rod Woodson or whether it was Clayton Lopez or Speedy, Lionel Washington, who former Raider, was also one of my DB coaches. Sure. Kevin Ross, we played so much man coverage. And, you know, even with Al being alive, God rest his soul, it was something that obviously we don't want to see you get past interference. No. Right. Well, we play so much man coverage and we want you to play so tight on the receiver. We understand that that simply comes that simply comes with the cost of doing business this way. So because we play so much man coverage, it was something that obviously, you know, your defensive players, they don't really get on you. I mean, obviously, they may not be they're not happy about sure. it, especially the D linemen. <laughs> but they understand, hey, right. man, they're, they're playing a lot of man coverage. That shit ain't easy. So, you know what? I'd much rather him go ahead and get a 12 yard pass interference holding call or something like that, where simply the offense just moves down the field 12 yards than him possibly go up and give up a 60 yard touchdown. And now they got seven points. They're getting momentum, things like that. So, you know, you definitely got to pick your poison. But like I said, it's something that nobody is going to applaud on the team. They're not right. going to applaud you getting a pass interference. But they understand what is being asked of those DBs back there. That shit ain't easy. So, you know what? We understand that that's going to come with the territory. And, you know, Stan, playing defensive back these days is a lot harder than when yes. you were playing defensive back. So much. There is no yeah. comparison. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the, uh, the one thing that the one thing that I will say is the game has changed so much as far as the passing game, but also in the same regard, other than the Patriots. And that's why I love watching them play a little bit of the Green Bay Packers as well. But, you know, teams don't really play a lot of man coverage like they used to. A lot of teams play a little bit a lot more zone coverage, things like that. So I would say in today's game for a DB, 
it's easier to make more plays because you're playing zone, you're facing the quarterback more so you can see the ball come off the quarterback's arm, things like that. But nonetheless, like I said, with the with the complex type of offensive prowess of these offensive coordinators and all that, it definitely makes things more difficult because it's more passing. The passing concepts, the passing game is more complex with the RPO, things like that. So, you know, like I said, uh, I think from a physical standpoint, it may be easier because you're playing more zone but from a mental standpoint yeah it's probably eons tougher because of these offensive uh, aerial attacks that you're now seeing everybody have stan one thing you and i talked about in our last week's podcast was getting a package for marcus mariota and the raiders did that they brought him in yes. twice on two different series in the red zone obviously uh one of those resulted in a touchdown a rushing touchdown for marcus i definitely think we're going to see this moving forward but stan Give me the perspective from a defensive player. When you see a quarterback, a different quarterback come in, how does that change your mindset and your philosophy? Because let me, and I want to further ex, uh, expand on that. Wasn't the Wildcat popular when you were playing? Was that a Oh, crazy? yeah. Yeah, so you know, that, uh, Ronnie how Brown. Does alter, how does that alter what the defense is thinking or doing when a team throws maybe a different quarterback in the backfield? Or maybe they line up in the Wildcat. We still see it occasionally in the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely it's a change of pace. You know, I remember, uh, like you just said, the Wildcats started hitting hard right around the time I was playing. Ronnie Brown started doing it for the sure. Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, so you complete, it's something that your D coordinator is gonna take about 10 minutes to walk through for that extra 10 minutes in practice versus being able to go ahead and prepare for the usual quarterback of Phillip Rivers or Peyton Manning or whoever. So it's about 10 minutes during practice where you got to actually stop everything, line up and say, okay, this is how we're going to align to wildcat formation. The, the quarterback's going to be lined up out there on the corner. This is how the linebackers are going to fill their gaps with the newfound formation of the newfound wildcat this is what they possibly can do out of this so it's just one more thing that a defense has to think about and that's why you see the Taysom Hills of the world that are so effective and like I said Marcus Mariota could be equally as effective for the Las Vegas Raiders because that's one more thing as a DB I know how to think about it so one more thing as a linebacker as a lineman as a safety that they have to think about okay we just started we just went to go we're going against right now Pat Mahomes or we're going against Josh Allen and then all of a sudden they throw in the wildcat or they throw in this dual threat quarterback where now all of a sudden you got to flip the gears and now all of a sudden those gears are moving where that's just one more thing that you have to worry about one more thing you got to prepare for one more thing you have to think about so now that play action fake the rpo the read option all of that that now makes you just one step slower to react to something and when you look at how the green bay packers and the los angeles rams on on sunday afternoon you see how aaron Rodgers he gives that play action fake and then bam he goes straight to the pylon and jalen ramsey who's a phenomenal athlete struggled to catch it because that split second of the rpo the play action the play fake whatever you want to call it, that split second of making that db or that defensive player stop his feet that's the difference between bringing them now fourth and one at the two-yard line or touchdown like you saw with Aaron Rodgers. Well, we know the Cowboys and the Raiders are both iconic franchises, even though the Raiders have been struggling for the latter half of about 15 years or so. But, Stan, that Thanksgiving game was watched by nearly 39 million people. It was the most watched regular season game since 1990. Man, those are incredible numbers. And, Stan, yes. i got to believe if these two teams ever somehow met in the Super Bowl, 
it's going to be the highest rated Super Bowl and it ain't even going to be close. I would not. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't disagree with you because the Raiders and the Cowboys, along with the Packers and the Steelers, those are four teams that they're iconic. Uh, no matter whether they're winning or losing, they have strong fan bases. And, you know, like I, I've spent some time in New York this past fall. And like I said, I bump into people who are Raider fans all the way over there. And I'm talking about this is while they're getting blasted by the Bears or the Chargers on Monday Night Football. So, you know, um, the Raiders will always have a strong fan base. We all know that the Cowboys, oh, <laughs> you know, they, right. they're America's team for yep. crying out loud. <laughs> so, uh, so no, like, I don't disagree with you at all. Like if you mess around here and you were to have a Super Bowl out of the Cowboys – in the in the uh the Cowboys and the Raiders, or just like the Cowboys and the Steelers back in 1995, you know it's going to be highly rated because those fan bases they travel well and they are strong, they're iconic, and they are ride or die. You know, just looking at these Raider fans, even from the times I've been to Legion Stadium, but still nothing like the Oakland Coliseum. Right, agreed. You know, like I said, man, that uh that that Raider Nation, man, it runs deep and it runs strong. And even for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, obviously they're an accident waiting to happen, what I always like to believe. Uh, but even then, like I said, you know, those Raider, those Raider fans, Cowboy fans, they're going to always show up and they're going to always show out. You got them. People are always going to tune in to watch them because you're either going to be rooting for them or you're going to be rooting against them. No middle Absolutely. ground. All right, Stan, I got a little trivia for you. You ready? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead. All right, the Raiders now have won three overtime games this year. Miami, Baltimore, and now Dallas. What is the record for a team, and how many have they won in one season? Most overtime victories in one season. I'm going to give I'm you a hint. A, I'm going to give you a hint. It happened in 2003, and they played in the Super Bowl that year. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Okay, so now it happened in 2003. I do yep. remember in the 2003 season, it wound up being in the Super Bowl, the Carolina Panthers and New England Patriots. I do know that. Uh, I would probably have to go ahead and – uh, I would say that the team that you're describing, I would say the team that you're talking about, I would imagine was probably the Carolina Panthers. You got because it. Because I, I think I do remember in the playoffs that year, they snuck by the Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs when a lot of people didn't expect them to. It was to. the St. Louis Rams in overtime. It's, you're it, right. That exactly. is great. Yes. Exactly. And I remember yes. Steve Smith having like a long touchdown play. Right. In over um, yes. Good memory. Uh, I have no earthly idea how many um, how many overtimes they had. They won I mean, four yeah. games that year. So the Raiders are one-off tying the all-time record. But that's a great memory. But, yeah, the 2003 Carolina Panthers. Stan, they actually played five overtime games that year. and they Regular were four, season? Yeah, regular season. Wow. And they were four and one. Four and one. So let's see if the Raiders uh, can get to that and match the Carolina Panthers. All right, man, let's move on to the Washington football team now. And the Raiders are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Over under is 49 and a half. And if you want to look for a little action, well, Bet Online is the place to be. It's back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the hoops and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
All right, Stan, let's turn our attention now to that Washington football team. They are red hot. They've won three in a row. And despite the fact they're a game under 500, Washington holds the seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. I mean, Stan, this is really a big game for both sides. Neither one yes. can really afford to lose. You look at that Washington football team, Stan, they're using the same blueprint on Monday night to extend their winning streak, and that's run uh -huh. the football, control the clock, and play good defense. And Stan Washington controlled the clock on Monday night. Get this for 41 minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah, no doubt about it. I saw uh, firsthand how they went ahead and they did a great job of smoldering that uh, Tampa Bay offense a couple weeks ago, forcing Tom Brady into some interceptions. And then obviously you saw what they did on Monday night to the Seattle Seahawks led by Russell Wilson, but you can tell that those Seattle Seahawks, that just looks like a completely different yeah, team right agreed, now. Agreed. Team in disarray. But no, I, I'm right there with you. I think this game is has all of the makings of a trap game, and I don't even want to say trap game because Washington's playing pretty well right they now. They are, absolutely. Uh, but this is, this is very much a game that could go by the way of Cincinnati Bengals, or this can go by the way of the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's what scares me is because of that. So I think uh, for the Raiders, they're playing at home. You have to take advantage of that. The Washington football team is on a short week. They played Monday night, so now they got to go and travel, which will probably be on Friday, to Las Vegas. So they're going to be playing in a different time zone. You have to take advantage of that. And I think for the Las Vegas Raiders, you got to jump on them early. You got to jump on them early, take some shots, go ahead, see if you can get one of those corners, having a pass interference on Deshaun Jackson, things like that. Get them on their heels. This team does not have, what's my man's name? The, uh, the number two pick in the draft uh, in 2020, went oh, to the um, Pro Bowl last Chase year. Chase Young, Chase Young. Exactly. This team does not have Chase Young. You got to go ahead and take advantage of that. Now, they got a lot of good players up front, several first round picks that get after the quarterback. You're going to have, maybe have to have a little bit more max protect in this game. You're going to maybe have to go ahead and, and leave the back end to go ahead and chip on one of those defensive ends but nonetheless you got to get darren waller off you have to jump on them early if you let them linger around that's not going to bode well for the las vegas raiders in my opinion going down the stretch get them out of their element early put make them put the butt the ball in taylor heineke's hands make him have to go ahead and throw his way to winning the game and then that's when they're off schedule that's when they're off kilter but if you let them go ahead run the ball play good defense, win the time of possession. I don't like our chances against uh, this team. They're finding a way to win at the end of a game, right? Um, they're playing with a quarterback who plays with a lot of grit. Uh, my son played at Middle Tennessee, so I'm familiar with him playing at Old Dominion. And and um, really, it's, if you're a fan of football, you, you're a fan of watching him play football. You know, he's hard to get on the ground. He can extend plays um, with his legs, and he doesn't look like he's afraid to zip a ball down the middle of the field like he did on Monday night. And certainly they're, you know, they're really running the ball well. Obviously, uh, Gibson's getting better each week um, playing running back in the league, and, and uh, they're doing a good job of blocking up front. So I think that's the first thing that you see when you look at their offense, uh, the way the quarterback's playing. And we had McLaurin in the in the senior bowl. We all fell in love with him. You know, his attitude, his effort, his ability to make big plays. He's a great special teams player coming out. So, uh, you know, he's really playing well for him as well. And then the tight end is – you know, he's been hard to cover, and, and uh, we got to make sure we can know where he is, all right? So, and then defensively, they're, they're two inside players, you know, playing they're playing really well. They're stout inside. Um, they're doing a great job. Their safety, Collins, comes down in the box a bunch. He's a physical player. So I think they're lining up. They're very similar to some of the teams we played here recently that know what to do. They're trying to do it really well. They're trying to play really physical. They're giving themselves a chance 
to um, win games in the end, by the way, once you're playing. So they, they've had a big kickoff return for a touchdown here as well this year against Atlanta. So um, they're forcing a kicking game also. Okay, Stan, so I want to expand a little bit more on the Raiders' defense. And you look at this Washington football team, in particular running back Antonio Gibson. I mean, he's getting healthy at the right time. I'm looking at his yeah. numbers. He rushed for a season high 111 yards against Seattle, and that topped his season high of, from the previous week of 95 at Carolina. Stan, they averaged 125 yards on the ground, and we know the Raiders' defense gives up pretty much the same exact number on the ground. So when you hear those type of numbers, Stan, what is the key for the Raiders to slow down this run game? Is it to load the box or put on your defensive coordinator hat, play Gus Bradley for me? What are you scheming? Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to think more optimistically right here when I say this. I look at the Dallas Cowboys. We all know the Dallas Cowboys got a good offensive line, good sure. run game, and they were able to go ahead and slow down the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys may have 50 total yards rushing the whole game, maybe 60, something like that. So this Raiders team can't stop the run. They did it against the Dallas Cowboys. They did. So I don't think that the run game of the Washington football team is massively better than the Dallas Cowboys. So they're showing that they can do it. Everybody's got to be gap sound. You got to attack the line of scrimmage. You got to penetrate the line of scrimmage. And you got to tackle well. There's no doubt about that. And then for my corners, if we got to load the box and, hey, corners, safety, secondary, Y'all got to go ahead and hold up. We're going to go ahead. We got this young quarterback, Tyler Heineke. He's not by any stretch Tom Brady, at least no. not yet. So we got to pressure him, make him make quarterback throws all the way down the field all game long. But, yes, to your point, uh, DA, I'm definitely going to make sure that I take this run game away. And I'm going to make Tyler Heineke, I'm going to make him have to be a Justin Herbert, have to be a Russell Wilson or a Pat Mahomes. He's going to have to beat me with his arm. I am not going to play into their game plan and just allow them to win with their right hand. I'm not doing that. All right. On the other side of the football, you know, Washington has held its last four opponents to less than 300 yards of total offense. And as you mentioned, Stan, they're doing that without Chase Young, second overall pick in last year's draft. But Stan, I look at the Raiders offense from last week and the blueprint is there, man. If they, If the offensive line can hold up and give Derek Carr protection. I, I feel like, you know what, the blueprint is there. Let's do exactly what the Raiders did last week offensively, throw the ball down the field. And if they can do that, I feel like I've got more confidence in the Raiders offense being able to execute that than Washington coming in and holding the Raiders to less than 300 yards on offense. Yeah. We don't know if Darren Waller is going to play. He's yeah. a game time uh -huh. decision, I believe. But look, at I'm, I'm comfortable with Foster Moreau. I mean, the last time Waller missed a game, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, Moreau had six receptions for 60 yeah, yards. So I remember, I mean, yeah. Obviously, Moreau is not Darren Waller. Let's not go that far. Yeah, but, but he's formidable. Absolutely, right? Yes. And I think that uh, I, I think you got to get up on the Washington football team early. I think you got to take some shots. Their DBs have been playing better as of late, but I think you got to go ahead and you got to put your foot on their neck. I think you got to get them to get back on their heels. Don't allow them to start going ahead, getting that confidence because they know that pass rush is up there collapsing the pocket where the quarterback doesn't have time to throw. I would say maybe some trick plays early, some play action fake, a flea flicker, something like that. Max Pro, make those DBs actually have to cover, get them back on their 
their heels. Do not allow them to grow their confidence because they know that fearsome foursome up front is going to get after the quarterback. So I think that you got to take some shots early just to go ahead and get them panicking, just to put them back on their heels. If it's incomplete, whatever. But you know what? You got to send a message that, hey, we're coming at you guys. I just need y'all to know that right now. Do not let them feel like, okay, let's go ahead and just play everything top down. They're not going to beat us over the top because they don't have time to throw. They need to learn in that first series, okay, man, these guys are coming at us. They want to go up top. Even if it's incomplete, you got to show that you're willing to do that. And I think that uh, obviously Josh Jacobs, he's got to be able to pick up those tough yards. There's no doubt about that. But Derek Carr, you cannot turn the ball over. If you take a sack, that is fine. It's football. It happens. But do not let it become a strip sack fumble. Right. Do not let it become a turnover. Right. I think Derek Carr, he right, he's, he, he's the key. You have to take care of the ball. And there's going to be times where you got to be willing to just let it rip and just trust that your receiver is going to come down with it or at least be able to play DB and uh, disallow the actual defensive back from being able to pick it off. But Derek Carr, he's got to take care of the ball. Well, it's hard to believe, Stan, it's December, just six games left in the season. Yeah. You know, December means Christmas is right around the corner. And say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox Lab Grill and Diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, 800 bucks per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make an outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Dan, what's the best Christmas gift you ever got as a kid? Oh, man, that's, oh, <laughs> geez. Uh, the best Christmas gift I ever got as a kid. Um, I would probably say... I don't know, maybe my Sega Genesis or PlayStation, <laughs> something like that. That was uh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, man, that was so long ago. Uh, I mean, I've gotten bikes for Christmas, sure. Sega, PlayStation. I would probably have to go, let's say, just one of those three, just to, you know, uh, sake of argument. You know, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, but in the 70s, there was something called Super Toe. And you would line up goalposts, and then you'd line up this little machine, and you smack the bottom top of his head. And he'd kick it and try to make it through the uprights. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, I've heard of that. Yes, I've heard of that. Uh-huh. So that was so one that, of the best so games that. I got was a kid. And I remember sometimes <laughs> when Sebastian Janikowski would come on for a field goal, we call him Super Toe. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, Seabass, one of the strongest legs ever. Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> right. All right, man. Let's pick some AFC West games. And there's some good ones this week, Stan. Obviously, yeah. the Raiders. We'll get to that one. But let's start with the Chargers at the Bengals. Cincinnati, a three-point favorite at home. And... I'll let you go first on this one. I think that uh, I think Justin Herbert's due for another off game. Joe Burrow, him and Jamar Chase, and the rest, and Joe Mixon, and all those other guys over there in Cincinnati. Uh, man, they're playing well right now. Um, it just goes to show exactly how having a quarterback in the mix can uh, go ahead and gallivant your team. Also, optimistically, I'm looking for Cincinnati to go ahead and beat. Los Angeles, Justin Herbert, I think he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. He's a budding superstar, but it seems like he's always due for a down game, you know, one out of every three weeks. And I'm thinking that uh, you'll probably see that uh, this week out of him. So I'd go, I'd go with Cincinnati over over the Chargers. 
you know what, Stan? I want to pick Cincinnati, but I'm just worried they're going to have a letdown after blowing out their arch rival, the Steelers, at home. Yeah. And I just, mm-hmm. I got a bad feeling uh, the Chargers are going to go into Cincinnati and they're going to steal one uh, and they're going to take this one. So, and then, uh, and also, you know, and and this does not always happen. I'm not sure exactly. I'm not a meteorologist, but we are now entering December. I'm pretty right. sure it's not going to be. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be warm weather right. in Cincinnati. And you know those West Coast teams, just like the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers, when you put them out there in that Midwest, you put them up there in that uh in that northeastern type of a uh, wind and that weather. That's when things get really different. For for those West Coast guys. So I'm also thinking that because you will probably not have warm weather in Cincinnati, like I said, I'm not a meteorologist, uh, and I'm also not looking at the weather forecast, that's why I would give the edge to Burrow and the Bengals. Dan, what's the coldest weather game you ever played in? Uh, I would probably say, if you're talking about just simply by the thermometer, yep. probably either Green Bay uh, in mid-December, or I believe Kansas City, I believe January 2nd or January 3rd, 2011. I think it was maybe 11 degrees at kickoff, Ooh. something like that. But I can tell you from, that's just from the thermometer. Right. Now, if we're, talk, if we're talking about feel, I remember it was, I think, either the day before Christmas or the day after Christmas. We played the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland uh, back in 2009. And anybody that knows anything about that stadium, you could jump from the stadium into Lake Erie. Right. That's how close it is. And I remember that game. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just that cold Canadian air coming off the water. But I remember it was only 32 degrees of kickoff. But it was a different type of cold. Maybe, like I said, maybe it was the Canadian air. I right. don't know. But that 32 degrees felt much colder than Kansas City at 11 degrees. Or I believe um, Green Bay at I think it was maybe 9 degrees at kickoff, something like that. But, yeah, I'd probably say by feel, Cleveland, uh, Ohio was uh, the coldest game I've ever been in. Yeah, the coldest game I've ever been to, and I was working, it was actually a Raiders game Monday night, and I think it was either 2000 or 2001. Uh, the Raiders played at Denver, and we were on the field. God, it was, oh yeah, it was thirteen degrees. Oh yeah, it and I'm gets like, cold there. Get me to the press box. Just get me to the press box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it gets cold in Denver. Oh, it man. gets cold, man. All right. Speaking of the Broncos, they are at the Kansas City Chiefs. KC's a ten point favorite at home, and Dan, they're playing well, man. They lead the division right now. It's yeah. seven and four. Everybody else is muddled in at six and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you liking in this one? I'm liking the Kansas City Chiefs just because they got the better quarterback in Denver. Even though, like I said, they're playing well right now, they're six and five, and they're, like you just said, everybody's muddled uh, right over there at it. Kansas City, the way they were able to go ahead and slow down the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago, playing a lot of man coverage, slowing down their receivers, and then obviously, you know, Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, they're coming back into form. I would go ahead and go with Kansas City, also simply because I think that for the for these Las Vegas Raiders right now. I don't like being in this muddled pond of six and five, six and five, six and five. Like, let's go ahead and try to create some separation from the Chargers and from the Broncos. So that's also why I'm going with the Chiefs. That's also why I'm going with the Bengals over the Chargers because I don't like this, you know, this this tight knit right here. I don't, I don't like that. Okay, so what? We don't win the division. Presumably, we'll get the wild card. That's fine. Whatever. But like, I don't like all of this, this, this jumbled up together. But I will say this. And I think that now it's starting to be seen. The best division in the NFL is the AFC West. Stan, it's the only division with everybody's over 500. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, though. I I like the Chiefs. I do. And I actually think they're going to cover. You can make the the case. uh, The Chiefs and Patriots are probably playing better than anyone else in the AFC right now. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Agreed. I do like Kansas City at home. 
uh, to knock off the Broncos. And then finally, Washington football team at the Raiders. I mentioned earlier, the Raiders, a two and a half point favorite at home. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the Raiders, uh, I think that this win against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving after the three game skid, losing to the Bengals, the Giants and getting blasted by the Chiefs. I have to believe that this is going to pay dividends as far as the team morale, the mindset. Hey, we went into Dallas, a team that is what was seven and three. Yes. Dak Prescott for MVP, this and the other. They got so many weapons and they went in there. They weathered the storm. They were up, but they could never actually pull away from the Dallas Cowboys. But they were able to go ahead and make plays, especially getting the, those stops, those key stops to start off overtime and force the Cowboys to punt the ball to Derek Carr. And then the offense finishing the D. I think that has to go ahead and pay some dividends as far as buying some team equity in the mindset department of actually believe in you know what we can do this yeah we stubbed our toe against the giants and the Bengals, but you know what hey we're still in this thing we're only a game behind the division leader in the kansas city chiefs and oh yeah we play them again to go ahead and uh to finish out these last six games i think that's going to pay big dividends i still think the washington football team because of taylor heineke is not for real for real i do believe that they're good i do believe they can beat you but i'm not sure if they're for real for real and i think the raiders have to take care of business if they really actually want to make this playoff push. Well, Stan, last week I picked against the Raiders, and I'm glad they proved me wrong. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders as well. I think they're going to make it two in a row. I don't think it's a blowout. Like I, I say every week, the Raiders never seem to blow anybody out. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders 27-20. Uh, I do feel good about them. Hopefully they can repeat last week's performance, make it two in a row, and improve yeah. to seven and five. And you know, the crazy thing, Stan, is the Raiders, even though they're muddled up in the AFC West and the AFC overall playoff picture, they really control their own destiny. I mean, when they have one game left against, obviously, the Chargers, the and Chiefs, the Broncos, and Broncos, the, Chiefs. Yeah. the Browns, mm -hmm. and the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So after this week, I mean, they really do control their own destiny. If somehow yes. they were to manage to run the table, uh, if they could beat Washington and then run the table, I, I know that would be very difficult. That would get them to 12 wins, which would easily qualify yes. uh, for the postseason. I'm thinking even 10 wins will qualify for the postseason. But, hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Washington football yeah. team on Sunday. First Take care first. of business, right? Get to seven and five, and then we'll go from there. All right, Stan, you back in the booth this weekend? Yes, back in the booth this weekend. Got South Dakota State versus Sacramento State, FCS, uh, second round of the playoffs. Big game coming up uh, this Saturday, 6 o'clock. Can't wait. We'll be out there on the West Coast. So uh, definitely uh, back close to my old stomping grounds, at least in the Northern California area. Not exactly the Bay Area, right. but Northern California, close enough. All right, sounds good. And hey, I almost will be calling a high school division five AA state semifinal between Venice and Independence, my first high school game this year. Looking forward to nice. that as well. Yep, looking forward to it. And before I let you go, partner, your alma mater, Houston, is in the AAC yeah. title game against Cincinnati. The game is in the Queen City. Yep. Stan, can your Cougs pull off the upsets? I think anything is possible, but I would not put my money on it. I think okay. Luke Vickle, he has that team playing very well right now. And I think that for the University of Houston Cougars, uh, they had their first loss of the, of the first game of the season to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And then they pretty much have run the table since. They dismantled SMU back when they were ranked, I believe, 16 or 17, something like that, uh, in uh, college football. And they've, like I said, they've run the table. They've done a good job. But there are a few games that they've won, especially against Memphis, 
where they just did not win as convincingly as they should for a team that's ranked high and wants to go after a team that's in the college football playoff of the uh, Cincinnati Bearcats. So, like I said, I'm rooting for my my Cougs. I hope they win. But if you're asking me to put my money on it, I'm not sure if I go that far because Luke Fickle has that team rolling. And they are playing very well right now. They're in the college football playoff, and they are not in a Power 5 conference. So, like I said, I hope I wish my Cougs the best. Definitely wish I could watch the game. I'm going to try to go ahead and keep up with it on my phone uh, during the Sacramento State game on Saturday afternoon. But nonetheless, like I said, uh, I wouldn't put my money on it. All right, there you have it, Raider Nation. We talked Raiders today. We talked some college football, a little high school football Christmas. We'll give it all to you. Yeah, <laughs> can't beat it, man. Love this time of the year, DA. Love this time of the year. Great stuff as always, my friend. Always, man. Can't wait to be back on with you next week. Hopefully we'll be having these positive vibes again after a W versus the Washington football team. Uh, let's certainly hope so. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.